I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shearer, and please welcome back to the Live Better Longer podcast, the founder of Fox Rehabilitation, Dr. Tim Fox. Hi, Jim. For Hi. part, part two. two. We are back for part two. All right. Um, exciting day to tell a story. Uh, I like that we had a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. And now that? we're going yeah. to get uh, into the history of Fox Rehabilitation proper from 1998 to the present. That's this right. year, we're celebrating our 25th silver anniversary. Two five Fox Rehabilitation treating patients across the nation. So when we last left off, you went to the library. Yep. Dug through some research, found out that you could start. Fox Rehabilitation, you could treat patients the way you wanted to treat them. You officially begin Fox Rehabilitation. You rip a page out of a library book. That's the Fox logo. Yep. So where do you go from there? You're treating. I'm treating patients. Now, currently, we have over 3,000 colleagues. You're number one. I am number one. So just to rewind a little bit and, and set the table is that, uh, and a refresher for our audience is that, you know, really that light bulb moment finding out in those big, thick HICFA transmittals that we can bill, uh, we can see our patients in their homes under Medicare Part B, the outpatient benefit. That was truly like the light bulb moment, right? That started this off. And I think that's a great start for us today is saying, okay, where do we go from here? Wow, we can not only treat patients, that's the first and foremost. So let me just clear that out of everybody's mind. Patients are the first and foremost thing that we were most concerned about, that I was most concerned about. But you've got to get paid for what you do, right? You need a living in order to be sustainable. So, okay, how do we get paid for this? We figured that out now, so let's go. Um, <laughs> I think the first thing that I did was call um, CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Uh, it was basically HICFA back then, and find out how do I bill, how do I submit my claims. And and this is a long time ago. This is twenty five twenty five years ago. We yeah. didn't have the technology <laughs> for you young folks out there. So um, I called uh, CMS, and they said it wasn't even CMS back then. They said, "Sure, we can send you um, a, a disc with the billing program on it, and you can plug it in your laptop and see how it goes." And it was a three by five floppy disk. <laughs> I bet people don't even know what that is today. A three by five floppy disk. I got the floppy disk in the mail. I remember receiving it distinctly. Plugged it in my laptop that had a, a slot that was three by five. <laughs> and uh, stuffed it in and started figuring it out. There were very little instructions. And you've got to learn how to bill, learn how to submit the claims. All of our 97,000 codes that we have in rehab today, still the same codes today, and figured them out. You, could, you couldn't bill one code with another code and get paid. So I went through a lot of, they'll call those today commercial edits. Edits are the coding combinations that you need to submit a proper clean claim. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> I didn't have 
uh, an, an office manager saying, no, no, don't, don't, like, don't do it like that. And we, I figured out how to bill. And I'm sat at nighttime after treating patients all day, banging in these claims. And, you know, finally, after two weeks, um, the reimbursement time was pretty, pretty good duration if you submitted a clean claim. And um, I remember getting my first check. That was my first paycheck. Like, wow, Fox Rehabilitation, my first paycheck. We can actually get paid for treating patients in their homes and really being that end clinician on the post-acute continuum of care. You have the pathology, they're hospitalized, treated, stabilized, go to subacute rehab, go to home health agency. And then now, wow, I can now be the end provider in that continuum and treat them properly, dose them properly and get paid. I'm like, there's a business here. There's something here. Do you remember the first patient you treated? You know, I don't exactly remember the first patient, but I know the town I treated and I know lots of patients. I could probably list off five <laughs> patients right now. It was one of those patients. For anonymity, I'll keep the names out, but uh, I was in the town of Pittman, New Jersey, uh, South Jersey, just outside a small town outside Glassboro. And Pittman um, has, uh, was famous for its donut shop. And I would always stop at Pittman Bakery and get my patients donuts and those, of course, throw one in for myself. But it was small town bakery, small town donuts, best donuts in the world, right? An amazing story. I used to love seeing my patients. I made relationships with local physicians and they were thrilled that their patients now have, have a provider because I really talked to the, um, my patients day one. Discharge planning starts day one, as we all know. And I'd say to patients, you've got, when I'm finished with you under a Med-A program, what I, what I was working with mm -hmm. to get myself through all this build right. was you've got to go to outpatient. You have to get to outpatient clinic. You have to go to see Mike Jin down the street at Heartland Rehabilitation in Pittman because you need more. All of our patients after a Med-A discharge need more care. We know it. It's just the, the administrative policies and procedures don't allow clinicians to really give them what they need. And that, that, that's what really I found frustrating under Medicare Part A. It's not that the clinicians are bad. It's that, the, like I just said, the policies and procedures don't allow us to really dig in there and, and dose like we should. We all, we all know that, you know, the, our therapeutic interventions are no different than, than medicine. They need dosing at a very specific frequency, duration, and intensity for them to be clinically effective. And that really doesn't happen in Med-A. And if it does, they, they're not given the opportunity to actually respond to those interventions, the, the duration that you need or the time interval. So the Med-B uh, outpatient benefit really allows us as clinicians, like a light bulb moment, right? Now we can really start changing mm -hmm. lives of, of, of our older adults. So John Tilden, oh. who works with Fox Rehabilitation, uh, legend has it that he is the quote unquote first Fox colleague. Is that I true? I believe some people would argue for that position. <laughs> uh, there's, there's jockeying, there's, there's Eric Kahn, there's um, lots of people. I mean, but the goal and, was uh, to bring on more people. It just wasn't going to be you as Fox Rehabilitation. So when did you start bringing on more people? It was at that time. I, I knew we, I needed help. I, were, patients were being referred. And back then, speaking of referrals, we had, uh, we had fax machines like we do today, but very slow fax machines. <laughs> and uh, I would have a referral form that physicians would fill out and send us the faxes. And, uh, you know, sometimes there'd be days when we were slow and not busy. And I'd go home and just sit and stare at the fax machine. Like, come on, baby, get warmed up. It's coming. It's going to get warmed up. It's going to get warmed up. And then the fax comes through. I'm like, a patient, jump in the car, call, schedule it, get going, right? And uh, more faxes started to come through. More faxes started to come through and started piling. 
I'm like, wow, boy, do I need help. So uh, I put an ad in the local newspaper, Courier Post, right? And got some calls from some guys and gals, John Tilden, Zarek Khans, <laughs> lots of people in the early days, really just sat at the kitchen table just like this and did my interviews in my house. And uh, a lot of those guys and gals are still here today after isn't 25 it, years. But isn't it wild? Because we had, there was a board meeting today, ton of Fox colleagues, even just going on Outlook and seeing all the different positions. Isn't yeah. it wild that you were everything back then? Yeah. You were the director of marketing. Human resources. Human resources. Clinical care, <laughs> teaching and training, orientation, onboarding, <laughs> finance, paying the checks, right? But isn't that wild? Yeah. And it's, 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 it's funny. And then eventually over time, all those duties were very slowly stripped from me as I hired more people. And then I was just treating more patients, treating more patients and treating more patients and basically just hiring people, like hiring an office manager, right? Someone to help pay the bills. And I remember all those people's names distinctly. And I remember their faces uh, who helped build this practice. And everybody was contributing in such a great way that helped build the organization. And then they all went off and did their own things and went their own directions. But we're here today with a, you know, 3,000 plus clinicians and an amazing executive team that I surround myself with. When did you realize that you have taken it to the next level? Because, I mean, there's so many layers to this. You find out that you can start Fox Rehabilitation. You start to bring on some clinicians. But when did you sort of sit back and be like, wow, like it's gone to the next level? When you first asked the question, I was going to say good question. I was going to need a, a moment to think about that. Because it's a, it's a really good question. And then it, the answer came immediately. It's when I bought my first office and moved my home office out into a real office. So it was an actual office space? It was a... It was a uh, or was a it like the back room of a deli somewhere? No, it was, it was an actual <laughs> house in Cherry Hill on Route 70. And I bought it from an older lady that was moving out to go into assisted living. Single level house, single family home. And I converted it into an office. <laughs> So it, it wasn't an office building prior to that. It was a house. It was a house. And I'm, I'm pretty good with the toolbox. So we did a lot of work ourselves, converted it all over, and we well, had our first take office. Take me through that. What does the first Fox office look like, which used to be a house? So you're, you're working out of there. Who else is working out of there? The first eight people that I hired, one of those was Dr. Kiara, our CEO today, number eight. A pretty is, that, is that now, Dr. Kiara is in the studio audience right now. Are you number eight? Number eight. Number eight's a good number. Number eight is a good number. And who was that first clinician that I did not recall correctly that you were trying to tell me a couple of minutes ago? Linda. Linda Schultz, still with our practice over in Pennsylvania. Wait, is Linda number one? Or is Tilda number see, one? See, there's debate. Linda and John debated. Like, I don't know. That could be a podcast she episode. You might want to talk to those guys about it. <laughs> Sit them across the table. So are all the clinicians checking into this house before they go out and treat? They're being interviewed there. They're being hired there. And we used to have a weekly, weekly, get this Fox clinicians, a <laughs> weekly face-to-face -face meeting. Because we needed to. We were growing. There was so many things changing and happening, such a quick pace. Uh, we all needed to be on the same page. And uh, pre pretty amazing, that, that, that office. It was clean. It was crisp. We cleaned it out painted it, got it looking spiffy because we, we, we knew we were going to run a business out of it. And uh, 
The, we had to convert the backyard into a parking lot. The neighbors didn't like it. The water runoff wasn't right. Here's the first problems of running a business, right? That you don't think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a clinician. I'm going to start my own practice. Well, here comes the other load of administrative <laughs> burden that you don't really think about. So when I think of Fox, I think of culture. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that before I even started here. And that starts from you. Yeah. So was culture a big deal back then or was survival just a big deal back then? Both. But, but it was really culture because my mentors in, in, in college at Jefferson University taught me quality over quantity. And they instilled and insisted with me that this is how things happen. We teach properly. We train properly. We take the time to teach and train. We believe in each other. We respect each other. And so a lot of those principles that I learned in university started to come out out of my pores and, and, and I'd say, this, is, this must be how this practice goes. It must be clinically excellent. So from day one? Day one. Wow. Without a doubt, without a doubt, quality over quantity. That was always really how I looked at it. So 25 years later, do you look at the culture and are, are you amazed yeah, that it's, it's still the part of Fox Rehabilitation? I, I it's am, the centerpiece? I, I am blown, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm so proud. Uh, I know Dr. Kiar daily receives messages from clinicians just saying how proud they are to be a part of this practice and that we've, we've never, and clinicians that have been longstanding clinicians that have said, you know, I've, I've been here 20 years, 18 years, 15 years, and we're still so impressed and amazed and proud to be part of this organization that's not become diluted. Like a lot of other organizations, it's easy to become diluted. Oh, don't worry about it. We're, we're making money now. We're successful. I think that's when organizations need to buckle down more to ensure that the culture is not diluted, to make sure that our frontline clinicians and frontline providers feel respected and appreciated for their knowledge, their skill, their talent, and to be able to apply it to a patient in a compassionate way, I think should be commended. And it's, it's amazing we're still able to do it. I was always worried about dilution. That was the biggest word for me is that as we grew, would we become diluted? And it's an attestment to the people that I work with every day that they, that's instilled in them and that trickles down all the way. No, I love it because I send out emails within the practice. Mm-hmm. And if it's too dry or too vanilla, mm-hmm. I will hear it from Robin. She's like, there's not enough culture in there. And I'm like, oh yeah, like- <laughs> Sometimes you forget that having fun is part of the culture. That's part of the culture. Yeah. And, and culture is not something you just say, okay, we're going to make sure we hit culture today in the meeting. Right. Culture is something, <laughs> culture is like seasoning, right? Did you season it? Uh, we did a big campaign on seasoning. I love to cook. You've got to season your food to, for it to taste perfect. And culture is just like seasoning. It just needs to be sprinkled like dust over everything. Everything, it has to be on the forefront of your mind before a word comes out of your mouth. But it has to be automatic. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't force it or jam it in there. Some people try and jam it in. I've seen agendas on some people that needed more training, and it's culture is the first thing we talk about. Let's talk about culture. Like what? <laughs> build it into your build it into your life. When you start living it and breathing it, I think that's when you really get stronger cultures. And that's what I see with a lot of our leaders, managers, coaches, executives, and clinicians alike in this organization. It's it's just. It's a way of life. Culture is a way of life. That's a, that's a root word of culture, really, right? It's a way of life, a way of living, breathing, eating, thriving. It, it should be natural. So you get the, the first home office, mm-hmm. which is a house. Then what's the next chapter? Because Fox continues to grow. We filled the house. <laughs> <laughs> we filled the house, literally filled the house. The cars were parked 
for four blocks. And then it was a very, it's a small, cute neighborhood. And I felt bad inside. The, the neighbors were complaining. It was only in the morning time. We used to start early at 7 a.m. and 7 a.m. meetings and cars parked all over the neighborhood. And that's when I'm scratching my head. I'm like, hmm. The, 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 the fire chief is there. There's too many people in the building. There's too many cars. The police are writing tickets to everybody. The neighbors are complaining. I'm like, we need to move. So we started looking at alternate plans to move. And I, God is good, and I, I, I believe things happen for a reason. I got that house at a, a really good price. That worked out great because I didn't have a lot of money at the time. And the, the market changed over those years we were in the house, so I sold, a, I sold the office for a very good profit. I say this with, with great appreciation and gratitude when I say that because, you know, if you go back to our, our part one when you heard, heard my story about where I came from, I came with nothing. I, mm-hmm. You know, this practice was built on nothing. So when, when I, when I talk about the successes, there's never a day that I don't really, I, I don't wake up. My left foot is thank and my right foot is you just be grateful to God and the things that I'm given and the opportunity that I'm given every day. And the opportunities have, have been fantastic. So we, we made some money, we sold a building and we bought a bigger building in Cherry Hill. So that's the current home office? No. Oh. <laughs> we stuffed it. <laughs> So building number two is where? Building two was on King's Highway in Cherry Hill, probably three miles away next to 7-Eleven. Now, was that an office space? It was a proper building. Was was now, that was a proper office Proper building. office. Three floors. And then when did you fill that? Do you remember? What year is oh, this? Oh, you know, Dr. Kiara's in the audience. She's, she's, she's a lot smarter, <laughs> smarter than I am. I'd say about 05. Okay. About that time between 05 and 08. Middle, middle to late aughts, as they say. That's it. Middle. <laughs> I'd say middle. So same thing, like push, push, repeat. And that's what we did. We just continued to hire, build our administrative teams, build our billing teams. Well, that's another question I had. Not to get like too deep in the weeds mm-hmm. about like the technical things, but when you start a business, you have to have a director of people resources yeah. and operations and quality and marketing. So how did you start bringing on those people and how did you know what you were doing? It goes to earlier on prior to um, starting Fox was where I was working you know, at a home health agency. But even prior to that, the time between when I graduated, worked at Jefferson Hospital for probably two years and... Um, I took a job, I probably shouldn't have taken that job, as a uh, director of rehab in a skilled nursing facility. I learned a lot there. Learned just, I, I just it was like a sponge, took it, took it all in and learned, um, worked closely with the director of nursing, learned OSHA standards, learned administration, learned, spent time with the CFO, spent time with the billing managers. And it was just like a big, it was meant to be, it was put in my life at the right time and place for me to be around all these amazing people who I just was, was a sponge and just sat with them and had lunch and spent time when they ever could accommodate me, just sit in their office till way after in the evening hours and just say, show me how, show me how to do this. What is this you're doing now? Why are you doing this? We were fortunate enough to learn. I was put on the team to have the facility. It was a brand new facility, actually. That was called uh, Southern Ocean Nursing and Rehab. This is going to ring some bells for people in the audience. That was in Manahawk in New Jersey. I was driving two hours to work every day for a couple of years there and back. And uh, Southern Ocean Nursing and Rehab, is, it's now changed names since, but it was just right outside uh, Manahawk and on Route 72. Anyway, we were tasked to put the um, facility, the post-acute, through its first joint commission on accreditation of healthcare organizations, its first SNF 
uh, a credentialing. And that was probably a two-year process of just getting the ship tight before you went through the audit. And that was in, because I was sat on the team and the, the whole team is sat around the table going through their policies, procedures, their manuals. And I was just sucking it all in. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the finance team there is, the director of nursing is there, the director of housekeeping, like just everybody. And I was just learning like all these components of a business, of a healthcare business that you have to have in. And more importantly, you have to have right if you're going to pass audits, pass surveys. But were you, were you dreaming back then of starting your own business one day? I just wanted to do more. Okay, wanted to be more than I just, just a clinician. To be more. Yeah, I just wanted to do, I don't know, I had this drive inside me that just said, keep going, keep going, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. It, it, and it's, it's still in me today. It's still my passion and love and excitement. Like you mentioned today, we, you know, we were sat in a board meeting. I never thought I'd be in a board meeting at Fox Rehab and having the board that we have, the board members, some pretty amazing people like that chose to come join me, mm-hmm. Tim Fox, with a little rehab practice, you know, 25 years ago. And now we're sat on, I've got a board of amazing advisors and consultants and friends and family that help this organization stay on the right track, really look out for it and look after it. Like it's one of their own kids. Very cool. I'm always curious. You used to go out, we had a thing called the Tim Tours. Yep. Where you would go to different regions throughout the country and basically just pump everyone up. Yeah. It was, it was a pep rally. So what goes through your mind when you're at a Tim Tour and you see all of these people cheering all of these people who work for you yeah and they're putting their kids through college they're putting their kids through basketball camp so all of these people that now work under your name what goes through your mind humility i i can't believe that we we have an organization that supports all these families and their children and their children's children and puts them through colleges and People often ask me, Tim, you know, don't, do you feel bad that you don't treat patients anymore? No, I don't treat patients anymore because we were able to, I guess it's how I rationalize it in my mind. We're, <laughs> we're able to, right? <laughs> You've got it's your own human reality. <laughs> it's like, how do I rationalize that? Is that we're, as a result of me not touching patients, if I didn't, if I was treating patients, I wouldn't be able to put the energy and attention into this organization and exponentially touch more patients and exponentially touch more lives and better clinicians' lives, give them a better place to work, a more flexible, autonomous place to work, a more rigorous place to work. Uh, it's hard work at Fox Rehab, but you know, I'm okay with that. So you said humility. Mm-hmm. For me, when I put myself in your shoes. What would you think? I think pressure. No, I like that pressure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I, it's, it's the most energizing moment. If, if we're speaking frankly, the two hours before a tour, I hate. I'm like, why am I stuck in this car service, <laughs> this rickety old suburban, like getting driven to this tour where I got to go do this and stay in this hotel that makes all my clothes smell like, <laughs> like cleaner or fabuloso or something like that. I complain and all my team knows I complain and because they know it's part of the course. It's part of the tour. It's probably scripted in somewhere. I don't know it. But as soon as I get there, like there's this enlightenment of, Joy, because all these people have taken time out of their schedules to come and meet as a group and as a team, as a family, to see me and to see each other. And um, yeah, the moment walking in that room and it's just a sea of orange, happy faces that are all happy to see each other and be together and happy to see me. No. And that's, that's when I say humility, because it almost embarrasses me a little bit to say that. Right? No, I, I get that, but I want you to know, and you probably already know it, you have it. 
So I have been in front of it before. I interviewed Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, he has it. <laughs> Rihanna, she comes into a room. You're like, I get it. She's Rihanna. She's she it. has it. She has it. You have it. And I like that you use your it for the good of this world, mm-hmm. which not everyone does. No, no. It's, I guess that is it, right? That's, that's what drives me. It's, it, it's just a pure excitement. Like I, it's, it's, I look back. I always look back. I like to reflect uh, on everything that I do. And I, to look back and reflect on this organization, it's really become something quite impressive. Um, it's a beast at times. Uh, it's, it's bigger than what I ever thought it would be. Really? Like way so, okay, bigger. T- stop for a second. In your dreams, how big did you think it would get? Oh, like 10 clinicians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I made it. Really? You know, when I got up, I hired Brett Schemer and, you know, and Robin, number eight, nine, 10. I'm like, this is pretty good. Wow. <laughs> um, and then I, 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 I guess I blink and we are where we are. We're sat here today. It was a, the blink of an eye. I, I think once, once it started to roll and once we started, we bought that first office building, I think my head just went down and it was just go time. Like, I don't think I picked my head up ever. It was just down and focused and just go, go, go. Because now the people are counting on me. Now there has to be referrals. Now we have to build a sales team. I can't have those guys not seeing patients. So it's like, now I got pressure on sales. Now, oh my gosh, now we got too many referrals coming in. Now we've got, we've got pressure on referrals and uh, sales coming in and now recruitment. How are we hiring people to fill this demand? Because it was always my intention to make sure our patients weren't waiting, sitting around for a clinician. But more so than that, that when I begged, literally begged physicians to send me their patients when we were first starting, that we would see their patients immediately. Like I'm thinking like that day, right? Because wow. we could do it back then. Mm-hmm. We were small and nimble, more nimble. And uh, see the patients that day. And it, I, that's what I was worried about is that seesaw, which is still the seesaw today at Fox Rehab of balancing sales versus recruitment. Because basically the clinicians and making sure the quality of care and the timeliness of care is still there. You know, we're not perfect, just like any other organization, but we sure do work hard on that. All right. So I want to respect your time. Mm-hmm. I have probably three more questions, which, which may lead Could into more. Could take three hours. Could take three hours. We'll, part, we'll, part three. <laughs> so we always talk about success stories mm-hmm. at Fox Rehabilitation in celebrating the wins. Yep. So you as a treating clinician, what was one of your biggest wins? Doesn't have to be the biggest win, but one of your bigger wins. I think it's just very general. The big win for me is the end product or end user experience of our patients to be stronger and thrive and really change their lives. Because I think therapy therapy is a time of excitement and it should be a time of excitement for the clinician because we're highly trained, highly skilled, but then we're knocking on our patient's doors, not knowing what to expect, opening up the door and seeing someone that's in need, scared, feeble, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Today's a new day. I'm going to change your life. Let me do, let's work together. And we're going to work amazing things. And when I'm finished in the next three weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five, whatever the dosage is, 
that's what I'm going to give to you because that's, that's what we figured out really quick at Fox Rehab is to be able to bill for those interventions and be reimbursed for those interventions. But to be able to do that, you've got to document it properly. You've got to document the skill. And I think that's what a lot of organizations don't do well is we you know, mentioned it earlier on the teaching and training component. They don't do well in that area. So therefore, the clinicians don't have the tools they need to be able to translate that clinical intervention into a reimbursable opportunity. I just saw. I know I just got way sidetracked on your question. No, no, no but I, I saw a cool picture today. It was a patient playing golf with their cane. Yeah, how about that? Just flip that cane around and whack a ball around. <laughs> that was pretty creative. And that says it all. I love it. That's it, though, right? We should be performing. Like, I guess you've got to ask yourself, and our audience can ask us, where do you want to be when you're 90 years old? Like, seriously, where do you want to be? I know what I want to be doing. I want to be snowboarding, I want to be on my dirt bike. I, I want to be having fun. I want to be active. I was going for a run this morning and um, finished my five miles. And I try and get that done three three times a week. And I finished. And I said, I'm going to walk down the street. I usually walk down one road. And I said, oh, I'm going to go on a different road today. And I, it parallels the road I was on. And I heard this lady say, behind you, I took my shirt off. It was drenched. You know when your shirt's so heavy from sweat? I'm like, just get this thing off me. And uh, she said, behind you. And, you know, I stepped to the side and in this lady must have been early 70s, early mid 70s. And she was in tip top shape and she even had a weighted jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. You're like my new BFF. I, I, and she, she just inspired me. Like, wow, that's really where aging should be. You know, mm -hmm. thanks to modern medicine. We're all going to live longer. Those diseases that were once the cause of our mortality are no longer so. And we're living longer, but we're not living better and stronger. So I think this, I think that's where we really play a role in, in the healthcare continuum is to get those folks living that are now living, you know, longer, but living better, longer and stronger at the same time. So as part of the hero's journey, there's always some struggle involved. So can you just talk about a struggle that you had to overcome starting, working, and growing Fox? Oh, boy. Jeez, where do you want to start? <laughs> no, and I know th there's many. Many struggles. And you don't have to go over all of those today, but something that maybe you didn't think you'd get over and you got over that hump and it made you stronger. Oh, jeez. You know, I could have done a lot better with my family. I could have a lot, done a lot better with my family, family life. They, everybody talks about work-life balance. I had none, <laughs> like zero. Uh, my head was down. I was in a different world. And uh, I think looking back on that, it's like, well, if I dialed it back, then we maybe wouldn't be where we are today. So, you know, there's, I guess there's trade-offs in life for things like that. And I have a great relationship with my family today, but maybe looking back, I could have spent a little more time in different areas. But then I look back and say, well, if I didn't do that, then we wouldn't be where we are today. So it's, it's like this balance. It's balance, right? You think you're in balance and maybe you're not in balance. So it's what's your reality on those situations? Um, I think that I've learned a lot, learned a whole lot from that area. And uh, now my, my family's in my life. I've got so many amazing people in my life and so much support and so much love. It's, uh, it, it, it comes around full, full circle, though, if you're around the right people. And then I want to talk about 2020. You stepped down as CEO. Yes. Is that so question number three? That, that is question number three. <laughs> so you start Fox, you come up with the idea, 
you grow it. Like we said, there's over 3,000 colleagues right now. Yeah. Was it easy to step away? Was it hard to step away? What was the decision in stepping away as the CEO? So it's two parts then. So what was the decision to step away? It was time. So you just I, felt it. It was time. It was to need a new leadership. It needed fresh leadership. Like if you look historically at or, different organizations, CEOs stay in place. I, I stayed in place a long time as a founder and a CEO. Um, it, it needed someone fresh. And we've got lots of, I think that's one thing that we do in this organization. Part of our teaching and training is always have your right hand person groomed. That's so important. And I did that. I'm, I've always known to do that. And, uh, you know, Dr. Kiara, our, our CEO today, was the perfect candidate. And it just was a completely seamless transition. No training needed, no instructions needed. It was like, here's the keys, go. And she was just ready to go. She was going prior to me stepping back. She was just so involved and so intense and, and running the practice and advising me on what needed to be done. Just, just good teamwork, right? It's, it's just amazing. Amazing. And was it was it easy? Now you're an advisor to the practice. You're on the board. Still so very, it's not very, like very, you left. I didn't disappear, no. But do you miss it? No. You don't miss the day-to-day? No. Okay. No. I, I love what I do. I love what I do. The position I'm in right now, I I my day-to-day is being involved and working closely with the executive team and advising, working closely with you and, and the things that you do, the promotions that you do. Um, you know, we spoke just before we went on air here about the work that you do is, was amazing. And everybody that's listening to this podcast is a recipient of your work. And you're, you're just a big part of that equation, right? A big part of the formula that, that makes this place great. And, you know, everybody that's listening now, clearly you can understand why this organization is great because it's, it's lots of different individuals oh, put, yeah. put together. Yeah, yeah. It's a village. Yep. That, that makes it work. And, and, you know, you're a part of that. So back at you there, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's our silver anniversary. Yep. 25 years of Fox Rehabilitation. What pumps you up most about Fox Rehabilitation these days as you look back on the 25 years? I think you mentioned it and I didn't really get to answer the question properly because um, I have a very short attention span. <laughs> and as, you, as you've seen, is the, uh, our success stories, our patients, our final product of a patient saying, now I wasn't able to do this and now I can do this. Like, whoa, like we've chained someone's life mm-hmm. forever, forever. And that's it. And it's our, it's our product. Like if we, if we produce widgets that don't mean anything, like what, what are we all here for today? Right. And why are we all giving our lives? Why are you giving your life? Why is Dr. Kara giving her life for, for what? No, we're actually doing something meaningful, changing someone's life. And wow. So last wow, question, wow. And, and I know we're go- I've, this is more than three questions. So you said when you got 10 clinicians, you felt like you had made it. You're like, wow, Fox Rehabilitation can't get any bigger. Yep. So 25th anniversary, currently in 28 states, that's going to grow. But in the next 25 years, where do you see Fox Rehabilitation going? If we're sitting at this table 25 years from now celebrating our golden anniversary. Bigger, stronger, longer. We're just scratching the surface of the number of patients' lives that we touch. 1%. Fox Rehabilitation only touches 1% of our patient populations uh, that are, you know, older adults. 
1%. So let's say we're sat in, you know, uh, Cape May County today, right? We're only touching 1% of that population, not even scratching the surface. So there's so many more older adults' lives that we can touch and change positively at a very low cost compared to the rest of the healthcare interventions. So, uh, you know, I, I would be insane not to say that bigger, and it's not bigger out of greed, it's bigger out of touching more lives and making it an impact on on an older adult's life who, who necessarily wouldn't have access to our services. Now they do. Well, thank you, Tim. Cool. We did it. We, we did, did it. part one. We did part two. Maybe a part three coming up. I'll, I'll do part three whenever you want to do a part three. <laughs> I'll have you on the podcast anytime you want to join me. But thank you. Thank you for starting this practice. And I've told you this before. I work here because I, well, we, we met prior to me ever mm -hmm. working with Fox, but I just buy what you're selling like a hundred percent. And I've told you this before, after hearing you speak, I could run through a wall. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's that, that means a lot. I had a, a bunch of people come up, approach me today and just say, thank you for this great place to work. And I, it, it makes me feel embarrassed to, for someone to say that to me, it's like natural. It's like, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Aren't you supposed to create a great work environment that's not hostile, but friendly and fun? Sure, there's expectations. Every job needs expectations to be met, right? That's why it's called work and not play, mm -hmm. for heaven's sakes. But, but to create a nice work environment where I actually feel good about getting up and going to work, I, I think that's important to do. And that's you know a big part of what we do here. So uh, enjoy the silver anniversary. And whatever, you. And whatever you Thank choose you. to do, hopefully you do something big and fun. Yeah, we're doing it now. Okay. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep chugging along. Okay. <laughs> so a happy silver anniversary to Fox Rehabilitation. Here's to 25 more for the founder, Dr. Tim Fox. My name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Mm -hmm.